I'm going to say something controversial that's going to get me banned off of YouTube and TikTok and Twitter and all of our friends group. I, I don't like the hobbits. The Jedi Knights are all but destroyed, and yet your task is not complete, Inquisitor. The Emperor has foreseen a new threat rising against him. The Podwans Podcast. How's it going, everybody? Welcome in today for episode 108 of the Pod Wants Podcast. I'm your host, Char Char J, alongside Jedi Master Eggs. Today, we're going to be talking about a lot of things George R.R. R. Martin, because there was a trailer that released not too long ago, and we're going to be diving into that a lot. So there's one guest on today, and I feel like they're the right person to bring on for the show. Without further ado, let's let's wait no longer. Let's bring in Lady Dragon JJ. Dracarys! <laughs> Oh, JJ, how we've missed you. I miss you guys so much. Not like we just did a reaction or anything. No, no, not at all. Our guys saw each other at Celebration, you know. Oh, yeah, we did. That's it. But anyway, JJ, first of all, where can the people follow you on all the social medias? Uh, I am mostly active on TikTok and Twitter under handle Lady Dragon JJ. So if you want to see my unhinged thoughts on anything, those two social medias. right? And I feel like unhinged is the uh, understatement. Understatement of the century. I would have to say that as well. I'm a passionate person. I can't help it. I, I will say this, and to kind of give a background, because we don't, we, we've had JJ on before, but not like mm -hmm. one on one. Uh, her first ever appearance on the podcast was the Cad Bane arc. Yes, yes, yes I, it was. That was, a, that was her first ever time, and and were we your, we were your first podcast, right? Ever. Yeah. See, I pride myself on getting people. Like, we are their first pot. Like, that is something that I'm very proud of just because, and, like, we, like, when I started doing this, I was like, I want to get other people's of differing opinions and kind of seeing what they want to talk about. And that's what this new format is about. I mean, obviously, we're striking the iron while it's hot, like, with, with Song of Ice and Fire and obviously your whole uh, repertoire and that. My question to you is, what was the moment that you knew that you were in the right space? So, Game of Thrones TV show, like, ended in 2019. My feelings about it are very, <laughs> very evident. <laughs> so I'm not going to go through the whole spiel of that, but like I've suppressed sort of the show from my memory and the books are not finished as we, you guys know. Yes. So it's like, how do you talk about a song of ice and fire with unfinished material? So one time I, when I was posting Star Wars regularly, Marvel content, literally anything nerdy. So I wasn't like trying to box myself into one niche. Yeah. And I'm like, I made one video about Dornish plot being omitted from game of thrones and like that video exploded that was when i realized how passionate people still are about either hating what the show did and loving a song of ice and fire yeah so it was like that was first time me gauging into the fandom and i'm like i know this stuff i've reread these fucking books like yeah million times like a video here and there and they do so well and i'm like wow there's actual interest in this like i love this stuff i don't know if there's any interest apparently there was <laughs> yeah but when did you when was the first time you read like all the books oh god oh we're going back into some ancient history now <laughs> so for me like um a song of ice and fire i knew it was adult fantasy and i knew it was very very violent this was like i remember this back years ago so for me that was a bit of a turnoff at the time i was a lot younger i couldn't process these things as as well as i do now in my adulthood so i read them back in it was 20, 2009 or 10. I can't remember the exact timeline. I know it was right before the show premiered. That's crazy. Um, and then, and I read them as the show was going along. Cause again, they were like this fucking thick. Yeah. <laughs> like I, like that's the one series that I have not 
Right. It's hard, especially when it's not finished. Like if I if it yeah. was finished, I'd be like, go jump into it, take it slowly, do some audio. But they're not done, so this yeah. Is what's, why the, uh, what's the what's the order of all the books? So, so there's Game of Thrones, then there's published ninety six. Yeah, uh, Clash of Kings. It was published in ninety eight, and then Storm of Swords published in two thousand, and then Feast two thousand and five, and then Dance with Dragons two thousand and eleven. Yeah, I, I, bro, it's been over ten years since the last book came out. That's Almost thirteen years, and I and, and and I get the whole George is busy thing. I but... think he just wrote himself into a corner. I'll be honest. You think like so? I, I think he wrote himself into a corner because when you when you listen to his interviews and his writing process, like he's very adamant about not being an architect type of writer, but a gardener, and that can be dangerous. As creative and fun that is you tend to tie yourself into a plot that you cannot get out of because you're going to be writing, you have an idea and all of a sudden a new character idea springs up like a new flower, as he calls it, a new little bloom and then a brand new character introduced. And then he'll spend another two, 300 pages building that character. Uh, it, history. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> so, I mean, that's basically it, just what fire and blood is really but fire and blood actually a lot of i just posted that video on my TikTok last night because a lot of people don't know the history of fire and blood they think it's a distraction or a pause from writing the winds of winter it's really not fire and blood has been in the process for 20 years like 19 20 years like he collaborated with um ellie and linda they are like they keep the lore in, in place he collaborated with them back 99 2000 so they were like, oh, let's do the encyclopedia, which I have right here. My computer is being, I'm right sitting on top of it. So he apparently he wrote 300,000 words or 200,000 words. And the publisher was like, no, we have to cut this out. A lot of it. So wow. that, that book right there. Yep, that's the one. That book was apparently supposed to be this thick. Thousands of pages. I, I, don't, I, I don't understand how you could get any more thicker than this. Apparently it was way thicker because he wrote... <laughs> He wrote so much Targaryen and dragons. It was Thickness. nuts. Thickness. He announced Jeez. that book for publishing in 2006. There's evidence of that. You know when the book came out? 2014. Uh, bro. Because they were trying to consolidate how much manuscript and words he had into something that could be manageable into an encyclopedia. So all that leftover material, which there was a lot of it, he had... One, two novellas, uh, uh, Princess and the Queen, which I have all of them somewhere in my stash. And then uh, the second one was a Rogue Prince, a, a short daemon story. So he was literally all the stuff that the publisher rejected. Here's a novella. Here's a novella. 2014 I comes around. The encyclopedia comes out. And then uh, Duncan Egg stuff. And then uh, what year are we in now? Around 2016, 17. HBO is like, we want to do spinoffs. And yeah, Martin's thinking, and, that's, and Martin, that's where it's that's where we're at now. Correct. And Martin is like, I wish they would do Duncan Egg. There's literally articles of him being quoted in that by official sources, like I think Variety or something like that. He wanted to do Duncan Egg, but they were like, No, we want dragons. So now we need a <laughs> companion. <laughs> Correct. And crazy because now like House of the Dragon has been shopped for in 2016, and we are in 2023 now, which is crazy. Yeah. So in 2016, he's like, oh, we need a companion book to House of the Dragon. Now we have all the leftover cutout material from the World of Ice and Fire. 
here's fire and blood. That's why that book came out so quickly after That's its crazy. announcement, which is unheard of. George Martin takes forever to publish anything. Yeah. Fire and blood. He already had it. It was just a matter of obviously pol polishing and editing and all that stuff. So yeah. I expect Fire and Blood Volume Two to be coming out soon as well. I think and that's, and that's covering it. everything after the dance, right? After dance, uh, Blackfire Rebellion. Black um, yeah, 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 yeah. Correct. Right. Up until right. literally Roberts Rebellion. Rebellion. You, Ooh. the Volume Two, dude. That's like I am. Don't get me wrong. I love. I would want. I want Winds of Winter, but I want that Fire and Blood Volume Two. So came bad. So question. I, so question, JJ. Yes. Do you think so when when House of the Dragon was originally announced, my thoughts uh -huh. were, okay, so we're gonna get like I I still believe this. I okay. don't think I don't think House of the Dragon will end after the dance. You mean the show, right? The show will not end after the, the dance. You wanna know why? Why? I think they're gonna make this into an anthology. Um, what will be the second so that that anthology. would be the black fire that happens directly after correct that right but that would be under presumption that we have volume two okay so we'd have to wait that to come out and then it would you have to otherwise what is the uh second portion adapting that's true i i i originally thought that they should have started with aegon and there's i hear rumors that that's being shopped as well like there's a lot of the, there's a coalesce valarian series i, Aegon's I, Conquest, I, I yeah. want i want valarian I want Balerion on screen. I know. So bad. But you have no idea. <laughs> that's but, the greatest dragon that's ever existed. But now that we're talking about House of the Dragon, uh, Char, what yes. what's your what's your hype? What's your hype for the show now? Well, season two's trailer, I want to see Winterfell. Agree. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I haven't we so haven't seen bad. Winterfell in years. Yeah, twenty nineteen. Um, obviously not in the same state it was in, in season eight, but man, just it's just I just want to see Winterfell so bad. Me too. I'm dying. Like it's 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 such a cornerstone of Game of Thrones setting yeah. of it is of the franchise. You know, like so just seeing that it's just yeah. Yeah. Winterfell and Starks, George R. R. Martin, that, that was the first thing that he thought in his head. And that's the first bloom of the flower that bloomed into Song of Ice and Fire. He dreamt of uh, winter wolves. He dreamt yeah. of these little puppies being born in the summer snow. Like, And then the whole story sprung from there. Like Starks are end-all be-all. And I feel like, I think they were mishandled by the last two seasons of the show. Mm -hmm. Like, especially the girls, in my opinion, Arya and Sansa, I have controversial thoughts on all that. And Jon Snow, we all know how that ended. Like that whole part <laughs> was not great. I feel like they deserve justice. And I believe Cregan and like Winterfell and, and the Winter Wolves, Roddy the Ruin, the Lord Dusting, all that is going to redeem the North from the bad taste in last two seasons of Game of Thrones. I think the number one thing for me is that with season one, I wasn't really all that nitpicky because mm -hmm. I really hadn't read Fire and Blood. I really, I, I, the, my introduction into like like the fire and blood stuff was through the animated stuff they did for Game of Thrones. Yep. Yes. Which I yeah, find which, yes. which I find so digestible. Like it came out on like a bonus disc. Yeah. With yep. the what, what was the first season of Game Some, of Thrones? I can't, I can't remember. It was one of the one of the discs. All the additional yeah. material. Yeah. It was very I, cool. It and I was just like. I love this because obviously I'm a big Tolkien fan and I love Lord of the Rings and George, George, what he's doing with the song of ice and fire is just a little bit more mature than what Tolkien did. And with season two, I think there's a lot of, I hope fans don't come into this like with that, with the expect, with their own expectations not being met. And I feel like that's the problem with a lot of fandom in general oh, yeah, nowadays. Um, they yeah, have that's these... the thing because if you expect an A plus, it'll never be an A plus. That's correct. And, and, correct. And, and and I guess my question is: is how do we as fans uh, not police 
but kind of as, let in. Yes, as voices in in our community, and I and I put mm -hmm. that as quotations because I don't think I, I I'm at no, the I'm... level of being you the all in all. Uh, <laughs> but like, how do we go about not letting our own expectation be what channels other people? Does that Sorry, make sense? So I made a video again last night regarding my feelings about first season versus second season, the expectations. The problem that I have personally is trying to rely so heavily on fire and blood to be translated one to one. And that's not happening. I yeah. think once the fandom accepts that we they are going to enjoy the show way more because now in my head, if I go into season two of House of the Dragon thinking because I know some of the scenes are coming up, get rid of that, put it aside, go into the show and judging it for what it is, for what it gave you not for what you were looking for because a lot of people go into movies and tv shows and etc oh we're gonna get this we're gonna get this we're gonna this and you don't get it and you're mad so for house of the dragon forget the book that's my advice they've already made significant changes in season one changes that i did not sit well with me at the time okay for me putting uh, allison and rainera in the same age giving them a background being childhood friends maybe even potential like romantic interest to each other. That's all great. Now I feel that way. But to me, that was a weird change because they have a very antagonistic child stepmother relationship. Does yeah. that make sense? She's much oh, yeah. older than, than, than Rhaenyra in the book and she's very antagonistic towards this child. Which, why do you think that they made that change? <sighs> oh boy, how do I word this? <laughs> I honestly think that the show was virtue signaling feminism after the fallout of the last few seasons of Game of Thrones and the way it's okay. it treated its female characters. You have Cersei die, you have Daenerys die in the most horrific way. Sansa saying that her abuse and her grape and all that made her stronger, which any woman that heard that line was triggered to no end. Like that is a fucked up thing to say. That would make sense. And then Arya sort of being reduced down to a, tu, 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 I'm here to clean up plot. Like there's nothing was done with her character, which this young child is on a journey of intense pain seeking revenge to find like to fill the hole left in her she has to learn that that revenge is only it's just, it's a way to destruction mm -hmm. of yourself like she's gonna meet her mom lady stoneheart i'm assuming in riverlands with, upon her return and it's going to be very ugly like look at what revenge and seeking it did to my mother you know what i mean so that the, the revenge part is very strong in aria she's gonna have to learn to let go of that all of her identities and accept who she is and accept the losses like because at the end, she will be destroyed if she doesn't. So there's there's a lot of thematically going on with young Arya. None of that was in the TV show. She came up to clean up Walder Frey, mm -hmm. kill, you know, Night King, do kill Peter Baelish. Literally cleaning up plots that belong to other characters. Yes, I agree with that. Especially for Arya's character. Uh, I don't know whether Baelish I will... Baelish is not hers. That, she doesn't that know kill, who the that, fuck he is. That, that kill, that kill should go to Sansa. That was her kill, and yeah. Sansa, Sansa will do it somehow at Harrenhal or somewhere else, wherever he takes her. He will use her as a tool to gain Winterfell, and it's going to be his downfall. But so, I, I get that. To, to go back, like with House of the Dragon changes, especially with Rhaenyra and Allison, like Ryan Connell is like, this show will be about Rhaenyra and Allison, and we're going to put them in the same age category, give them a background. Which is fine. It's cool that you make that change and kind of give these women more agency. I don't think that happened with Allison. She's both weak and strong, a victim and a manipulator. Like, they can't pick a lane 
to which to do this character with. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. for me, they are almost, and Ryan Connell has said this, this is a story about Alice and Rhaenyra. Like I do love men telling me stories about you know, conflict of women. It's my favorite thing. But um, like Fire and Blood is a story of a destruction of a family through complicated politics and yeah. the death of dragons and all of that. Mm -hmm. And he chose to focus on two of them, putting him into, oh God, I'm going to say this, uh, Sansa Daenerys type of conflict. Yeah. I, or I even uh, even Cersei Daenerys type of thing, oh, which geez. I'm seeing the history repeat itself, and he's trying to do it through a girl boss way, <laughs> which I think is what HBO is trying to course correct some of the treatment of the women in the original run. I'm okay with it now. At the time when we were recording and watching, I was like, "Oh God, what are they doing? I remember, I remember doing these. it again." I remember this. Yes, I, I see. It's so hard from like. I feel like it's hard for me to talk about like agency and, and, and because I'm not a woman. Right, I, I, I don't, I, 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 I like when it comes up to like these conversations of like, are women being poorly written? It's like, I get to it. me, I I'm like, I don't, you don't have the authority I, on that. Right. I don't. Well, it, to me, it's like, I, I just don't understand. Like my thing is, is like, if it's bad writing, it's just bad writing. It, it's Here's, just so it, for me, it's so hard to comprehend. Here's yeah. a quick way to check yourself. If you're looking at a scene and something is happening and there's a conversation happening, this, is this going to be a meme on Twitter? If go. the answer is yes, then it's, it's bad probably writing. not. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I, you don't see memes and like sound bites from Breaking Bad. I'm going to use Breaking Bad. It's my favorite show of all time. That is to me. Top there's of a the lot top. of memes from Breaking Bad. <laughs> No, right now it is, it, yeah. especially because of the Better Call Saul. But like when you like break it down, like with Skylar, with all that, like to me, like if you can meme it and soundbite it, it's not good. With House of the Dragon, like again, Ryan Connell really saying, oh, Ra Ra Rhaenyra and Allison, Rhaenyra and Allison, and downplaying Aegon's involvement in all of this, downplaying, in my opinion, Allison's agency. She is the one that suggests the marriage between Rhaenyra and Aegon, at least in the book, to fix the, to mend the bonds of these two families that are being split apart because she still wants power. She still wants to have her blood on the throne, as it said in the book. For her, the best way to do that at the time was, well, let's just marry two of them. And Viserys is like, no, they don't get along. <laughs> and he wants to keep Corlys Velaryon happy, so he marries Rhaenyra off to Laenor. Like, none of that is in, in the show with Alicent kind of making moves to ensure the longevity of her family. It's just, just like, she's just a passive player. I don't know how I don't know how especially, to especially, especially early on. No, I think They're, I understand what you're talking about, especially with and, the them being the same age and like how and, and she, how she's trying to be aggressive in in some scenes and then be passive in others. I felt well, like the, very young young Allison and young Rainier were with like those scenes in particular. I feel like what you're saying is very much how it kind of feels and here's here's the thing too um because i get pushed back on this a lot well it's not allison's fault it's auto control in her which is absolutely true yeah like for me that removes literally all of the agencies out of her own actions throughout mm -hmm. the the war you know what i mean like you're saying patriarchy is bad she's being controlled by a male figure it's true but at the same time then you remove literally any sort of scheming movements that she makes creative thinking around the war and its concept. You know what I mean? Like George R. R. Martin, and which is why I enjoy these books, he does not virtue signal social issues. He's not telling you patriarchy bad. 
you pick that up yes through the text through the points of view of the it's subtle but it, you pick it up if you're an intelligent person and you're consuming this with some sense of media literacy you pick up on themes yourself he's challenging you while ryan condal the creator is like this story is about alice and rhaenyra being controlled by the men and that that's the conflict like you are telling me already the theme instead of showing me like martin is very like clear about not virtue signaling the issues like he shows yeah. you like yeah. he doesn't have to tell you hey slavery is bad in essos you see it yeah <laughs> and you watch it through daenerys as she pick she, this is a young child a 13 year old looking around figuring things out being a slave herself i'm like oh my god this is really bad and through that point of view you realize how bad things are and i completely expect a different allison next season i Mm, I hope so. It's it's the the trailer that we just watched. Uh, signals very sad, Alicent. Mm -hmm. I am hoping that she's like after blood and cheese that things sort of pick up pace. I think and we see more of that strength, a little yeah, more posturing. I, yeah. I think that I think that's and and that and the way you just described that is how I felt after the after Luke died. I was like, all right, here we go. Gloves are coming off. Like it's game Gloves time. Like it, it's, it's a, game time. It, it's game time. We're gonna make some poor decisions here, and we're we're oh. gonna have to deal with them. And I I I I agree. Like she's she's very miserable, sad, yes. in literally every shot. Yeah, she was miserable and sad in first season too. Yeah, uh, that's sort of what she comes off to me because you're supposed to sympathize and empathize with that, and I do. Yeah, but I have this notion in my head because I'm again when you read Fire and Blood, it's a different person, different woman in this book. A lot like even in the images, like uh, the official images in Fire and Blood, are black and white, beautiful illustrations. Yeah, the Green Council depicts Allison standing literally taller, looking taller than everybody. Yeah, like literally doing one of these, like making moves. And then you contrast it with the show. She's just like shoulder slumped. She acts like nothing. She acts like she's not well, not aware act, of anything. Yeah, that's what the show depicts is that she's not being involved in any of the conspiracy. None whatsoever. Yeah. Like I, I, I at some point you have to quit using Otto as an excuse. He forced her into marriage as a young person with, like with Viserys. Like, but now you're an older Alicent. And the way the only time she's making moves is when she's humiliating Rhaenyra whether through her when she was breastfeeding the children or having her drag her placenta across the fucking yeah that was floor. that was wild pretty graphic that was wild and now and then she looks sad all the time and she wants to gently guide the men, the men and all that like no i don't empathize with that i'm sorry at what point you have to quit but like <clears throat> but they're the lane. but they're but they i do i will say that there are moments in season one where she is very much like very adamant especially obviously the moment when Aegon's like jerking his meat outside uh the thing and she is like <laughs> what the fuck so are weird. you doing like the, i feel like jj and I, maybe i'm missing this maybe i'm not mm -hmm. understanding like you're what you're trying to say i think no, you want yeah, i think i think you want more of that allison like but isn't it funny that she's very like tough with her children like even yes. her daughter is very off put by her yeah, like, she's very strict with Aegon, but then doesn't do anything to correct his actions. Just like, don't do that. That's a Agreed. bad thing. Yeah. Uh, you you grape the girl. Don't do that anymore. Here's a crown. Yeah, <laughs> like, JJ, I, I have to ask you, uh, what was your feelings of the characterization of Rhaenice? We go back to the, the girl bossing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because yeah. the show did a fatal mistake first season. I mean, with Rhaenys not dracarising everybody out of that dragon. That scene lo logistically makes no fucking sense. 
none yep. whatsoever. Like, and I was trying to make make every possible excuse for it. I looked at the images of Dragonstone in the books, like where these entrances, what's underneath it, these catacombs, and I'm like, this dragon being underneath it just popping out, her killing so many small folks, like so casually. Yeah. Dude, that was bad. And not only did you kill, let's say hundred people there were they suffered horrific injuries and died and everybody else else was just really badly injured for you to kill all those people but not kill the perps and, and finishing the story right then and there just like daenerys when she lands at dragonstone to negotiate with cersei my fucking god it still enrages me those two scenes are the same thing yeah. you're going up against this bad queen that you want to overthrow she's right there one dracar is show over same with house of the dragon these are just moments that are meant to look cool so you can meme them on Twitter. They mean nothing. No, I, I love Rainy. This is a very fun character. Like, not only was she technically usurped, like she should have been the next one in line mm -hmm. if her grandfather had any balls. But that's a whole different thing. Like for her to get that girl boss scene on Maylie's, like why yeah. the queen who never was. Like, and even like they put her into in, a, in sort of an adversary position with Rhaenyra. Yeah, none no. of that is in. No. Why would you do that? Like all of the women are quarreling against each other. Yeah, it's at every point. Yeah, it's it just that doesn't it, but it doesn't think make of much it sense. And it, it, it annoys me because again, you want a virtue signal of feminism, tough, strong girls, and being manipulated by patriarchy. That's all fine, but then you have all of the women like doing this, and I, the ones that you're not quarreling with, you're not giving enough material. Like Rhaenyra and like her stepdaughters, they great. get like one scene. Like, like when you were talking about how Rainey's is so combatant with Rhaenyra after she, like, she's not combat, like, she's very, like, especially in the first couple of episodes, like when, when right. Viserys is, is being courted with, um, is it Bela? Bela, right? Yes. With Bela and her and Rhaenyra have that back and forth. And it's, mm -hmm. it's oh, very Oh, Lena, much... I'm sorry. It wasn't Bela, it was Lena. Yeah, Lena. Time, during that flashback. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, yo, why the hell? Like, I understand, like, the lesson here is, hey, just know they passed me up. They're probably going to pass you up, too. Like, and, and I get that, but I feel like if it, I feel like it would be in Rainey's best interest. And I would think that it would be a moment where she would talk to Rhaenyra and be more of like a, like a, a mentor in that way. Yes. Like, kind of be like, you. and be like, hey, this is this is what you should expect. Like I am here if you need someone to talk to because she was in that position. Not not just like it, their situations are a little different, but like as a older woman in Correct. Westeros, that was passed up. That was passed up for yes, being a woman. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and just having that conversation. And I feel like they remedied that a little bit in the last couple of episodes when she they came tried. in and was like, "Hey, get ready." But I also don't like the fact that she didn't automatically take Rhaenyra's side right away. That is something that I, right. I I don't like the political. That doesn't make sense to me because I feel like you just saw Aegon take the throne from Rhaenyra. You, I feel like maybe I'm off, but I would feel like if that, if I was Rhaenys, I'd be like, okay, fine. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sitting back anymore. Like I am full on Rhaenyra and the way that she talked to Corlys. And mm -hmm. I feel like that relationship specifically throughout the entire the entire show was so well done. You see Corliss struggle with Rainey's being passed over 
and it's always been passed over, been passed over, been passed over. And then right. Rainey's is finally able to be like, hey, yo, I let that go a long time ago. I think, it's time for, I think it's time for you to let go. And we need to support Rhaenyra so that what happens to me doesn't happen right. to her. And I love that. Was that. that, was, that was That was great. Maybe not storytelling, but just dynamic. It, it made sense for that conversation to happen the way it did. And I want to circle back on the thing that you mentioned just earlier regarding Rhaenys and Rhaenyra having that conversation. Like when Rhaenyra is younger, they yes. made it sound very antagonistic. Oh, well, yes. never was. They didn't like you, like, but they're going to like me. Dun, 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 dun. Like, again, girl bossing. Instead of like Rhaenys, I'm older than you. I know how this goes. Here's an advice. Make allies and make them quickly. Go across Westeros. Secure your position. Go get friends. Like, that's an advice that you give because Viserys wasn't fucking doing it. No. You know what I mean? Like, you would think that Rhaenys would step in into that almost motherly role for Rhaenyra. Like, I can see that happening. I can envision it. Like, I was passed over for being a woman. I'm not going to let the history repeat itself. But they made it sound, but they put him in this like adversary position. And it it really drove me crazy because they're all they're doing with women is doing this or not giving them enough to do. Like Lena, little sacrificial lamb, uh, her daughters get no screen time. Like those are the frustrating parts for me. Like watching the show that's supposed to be very nuanced, feminism. Yeah, it's not doing feminism the the right way, in my opinion. Like it, it, it literally sucked out all of the the nuance out of this entire situation is just, oh, two best friends manipulated by their dads and now they are doing this. Yeah, and, and I feel like that's a lot of media. <laughs> that, I feel like that's a lot of media nowadays. It, there need to be more women writers if they're going to have women... Ahsoka uh, is a perfect uh, example. I, yeah, I would agree. I, this I, is a, That was a TV show with four leads that are women. Luke. Yeah, yeah. Ah, Rosari, Ahsoka, Sabine, Hera... Uh, Morgan, Shinhati, like, and Dave Filoni is writing the story. What are you doing? Yeah. What's happening? Why is Balin the most interesting part of this entire ah. season? Why do I want more Balin Skull? Balin he's is amazing. Yeah, Balin is. He's amazing. He's a great character. I feel like Char's been so quiet. We're well, <laughs> all I know is that I want Bela to cause some fucking havoc during this war because, like you're saying, women need to fucking step up. Rainies, Rhaenyra, Bela. They all need to fucking burn the greens alive. And yeah, even, even the other twin, Raina, she do, she's not an active participant in the war. Like she's fostered in Vale the whole time. She's very gentle, very feminine, very soft. So they're like, we're gonna keep her. And she, her dragon is very small. At least in a book, when it hatches, it's like shoulder shoulder like, uh, size that she can put him put little uh, uh, put him here on her shoulder and you know go her way. So not a dragon rider, but. Like, that would be a good way to make a change from the source material. Yeah. Give this character more to do. Grow her dragon. Involve her into battle. Like, those are good changes. Do that. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Don't let Vagar have a clean sweep, you know? (laughs) Trust me. See, and that's what makes me think. I don't know. Okay, so obviously spoilers, 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 spoilers. But my feeling is, obviously, we saw Daemon with with, uh, Vermithor. Obviously, Vermithor mm-hmm. goes to a bastard later yes. down the line in the story. In my opinion, I think that Daemon should take Vermithor. At, at, he should use Vermithor. Him and Aemon fight. I don't think it should be Caraxes. I think it should be Vermithor. Because Vagar, Vagar is the last of the, like the old age. Vermithor mm-hmm. is right there, what, 100, size 100 wise, years? Yeah. yeah, size-wise and age-wise. Age-wise, He's, yeah. what, 100 years young? Maybe even less than that? 
than you Vagar. have the you have Balerion, yep. um, Vagar, I believe, Vermithor and Silverwing, the Wild Dragons, and then yeah. So I feel, and, I feel like right. maybe this is just me, but I feel like that conflict with those two dragons would be a way of just it would like, be a spectacle. It'd be a spectacle one, and 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 sometimes I know people don't like the whole swoosh swoosh big dragon, but thinking about it from a mojo, a lot of people are watching this aren't as crazy as us, right? And to see, and and I think you can make it make narrative sense. Because, I mean, Vermithor, again, with the age rage, they are around the same. They've both so, seen battle. Let me, may, may, let, me make, let me make sure that I know what you're talking about. Have you, do you know what happens with yeah. Amon and Daemon? Yeah, yeah, they both die. Right, I, yes. But you know how that scene happens. Yes, they both, they both go down in a... They, it's vividly described. It is one of the yeah. most epic moments, I think, in the entire book. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that you don't want him to... He can't ride two dragons at the same time. No. That's um, why I, I want him to pass off Caraxes to... I, doesn't work that way. They're not cars. Damn it. Caraxes right, has to die. All right, well, fine. <laughs> I mean, um, unless, unless the show wants to truly break away from all of the lore and, and canon. Which you, which you would hate. At this point, it's happening regardless. <laughs> so I either accept it <laughs> or like or hate the show. And yeah. I don't want to be that person. I want to go into this with an open heart, with oh, an yeah. open mind. So um, if they're going to break, they're already sort of breaking canon with Lanor and Seasmoke. I have no idea how they're going to do that. For Seasmoke to be claimed, Lanor has to die. That is book lore. Dragons can only have one rider at a time. How How is one of the bastards, one of the Hull twin, uh, twins, uh, one of the Hull brothers going to take Seasmoke while Lanor is chilling in Essos? I don't know. Yeah. Unless Lanor comes back to join the war efforts. Which... Yeah. Which and from dies. that which from that white shot? Yes, that I, I was thinking. I was I was thinking about that because there is a white shot with Sea Smoke and and, and Cyrax. Is it Sea Smoke? I think know? it is. I it think it is. Like it. It, looks it looks a lot like, like him. Okay. And I think that's an interesting play because obviously Lanor has been running off in Essos, and everybody thinks he's dead. You which know I, how much that was. That was my favorite part in season one. By the way, yes. making that change. I love that why does yes. he have to die he doesn't and yes. he can come back because he's gonna feel guilty about another death i don't know can we talk spoilers now still are you talking about corliss no 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 mm -mm. put a spoiler tag here again yeah, for the end of time jace when he dies oh yeah that's right he does die and he'll die luke. fairly quickly after luke kind of kind of like big battle is coming on oh he's shit going to die Yes. Really? That's eight. coming up. That you think that's gonna be like what the third or fourth season episode? Finale. I think it might be season finale. Wow. Okay. Better. So I guess that's. I guess if we're getting eight episodes, I guess that's fairly. It, it's good. possible we get Rue Crest where Rainey's dies, and then maybe Gullet at the end setting up. Yeah. That's or great. Gullet is gonna be season three. I know that Ian or whatever the actor's name is, he's coming back. So I have a feeling that he's going to hear about Jay Stein because he considers strong boys his sons. He raised them. Yeah. He will feel some type of way. It's going to prompt him to come back. And then, again, if they want to follow lore stuff, dragon lore particularly, Laner comes back, joins the war efforts, is pissed off about Jace, and he dies in the war. And then Sea Smoke is free for one of the uh, dragons they claim. So I'll counter that. I think okay. he comes back because he, he hears about Luke. I think that's the change. Mm. Because if we know anything about media and showing trailers, right? Yeah, you're right. Most of the time trailers will show maybe two episodes worth maybe correct 
Correct. You have so, to write so bl blood and cheese in particular in this. Yeah, like, the so I'm, thinking, I'm thinking blood and cheese happens second episode. Yeah. Blood and cheese is happening. I think this is episode one. I think it's titled. Either, some, e yeah. Some yeah. One. Yeah. Either, either episode one or episode two. I think Lenor comes back sooner. I don't, I think he, I think he comes back because he hears about Luke. How would he and, hear about Luke? I wonder. Word travels. Rumors, word travels. You're right. Ravens. Word, word um, travels. And I think, and I think it makes perfect sense because then you have Rainies and Corliss. Oh, which added... I want to see Corliss's fleet. I have to. Yes, that too. To. That How did heaven show that fleet when it's like the mightiest fleet yeah. in the world? Yeah, and like adding on to like because remember, they still think they, that Rhaenyra and Damon killed him. They are responsible for his death. Yeah, so, they can't prove it, but it, yeah. But he shows it. up, and it's like. Interesting. Yeah, no, I feel, yeah, it could maybe like make Rainey's a bit more like, oh, maybe I was a little too harsh. So you were talking about the Valerian fleet. What is, what is something mm. that you absolutely are so looking forward to in season two? In season two? Uh, I want to see some fucking dragon battles. Yeah. Like that's the, because yeah. yeah. I know that there's going to be a lot of them. <laughs> a lot. Let me just say that right now. They're going to be brutal uh, too. So with, I just want to see Kristen die. I want to see. <laughs> That's not happening for a while. Because yeah. how, how many seasons of the show are there going to be? Only four, I believe. So he could four. be. A, okay. Yeah, it could be in a three or four that he. Come on, make it earlier. And you know what? Make it earlier. And that that scene in the book is so damn good. It's on par with the Battle of the God's Eye. It is so good. There's really good. I'm trying to remember it. Didn't, didn't, doesn't Kristen Cole get poisoned? No. Oh my God! Hell no! No, he gets he gets into a conflict. Winter. Oh yes. Yeah, spoilers. Just from time to time, we've been talking like back. Just oh my god, no! But see, yeah. he is um, uh, ambushed by the winter wolves near. The yeah, that's eye. right. That's and right. then and he can't tell who they are because everybody that supports Rhaenyra is carrying her sigil, her flag. So he doesn't know it's the Northmen and Dustins and the Starks. None of those guys. So his squire is like, "Who are these guys?" And then they come down. And Kristen wants to challenge one of them to a duel. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. You're not dying honorably, Kingmaker. Tens of thousands are dead upon your name. So there will be no songs sung about you. And then all of a sudden, three arrows come from the distance because uh, Roddy the Ruin signals them. He's like, no, you were not, you're not going to die honorably. Three arrows through the chest and neck. And they behead him and put him on a fucking stick as a prize. It is incredible. That's Let's go. It's I, so good. I, like I want, I want. Now. You know, I'm telling you right now. Like if they redo that in their own way, I'm like, uh, that that part will make me mad. Those two scenes, yeah. the God's yeah. Eye and Kristen's death. We all want to see him die. We all want to. But I want to see him die that way. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know one person that that likes Kristen Cole. You, no one should like that. No, right. nobody should like Kristen Cole. He's jackass. And he's a lot more um, uh, like in Fire and Blood. He's the one that pushes Aegon. Use usurpation. You, you know what? You know what's gonna happen? I actually know what's gonna happen. You know, you know what's gonna happen? They're gonna what? go. They're gonna go down to Sothorios. They're gonna get lost and they're gonna die. Everyone. Yes. Sothorios. The fuck? Yes. It's a it's a continent just south of Essos, and it's a mad jungle with. Oh, that's apes, right. Apes that are so big they can knock an elephant with one punch. And there's a city in northern part of Sothoris called Yin. And it's uh -huh. made of this magical black stone that apparently fell from the sky and it absorbs light. 
and Nymeria tried to do a settlement there during the uh, Valerian Dragonlord Wars. She got to Sotoris, those islands, the Basilix, the Toad Island, and all that. And overnight, an entire population of people disappeared. And it's a giant source of mystery. And she's like, Yin is so evil, not even trees want to grow there. Not even the jungle wants to touch it. There's like big, uh, all these really scary creatures, and but a lot of treasure. It's filled with treasure. Everybody wants to go there for the treasure, but they all die from disease immediately. What? Yeah, what so they got so they, so they got a they whole got bunch this. of King Kongs just out there, like fucking yep. around, just they got yep. they, they practically have like dinosaurs. <gasps> I bet. I Dude, bet. I, I, I bet practically dinosaurs. There. So yeah. so do you think that could be a, like a play in like Corliss's like it can show? be. It can be, but it will be a bigger play if they do in the Nymeria and the ten thousand ships. Oh, Nymeria. That's right. That's right. right. That's right. That's the one I really want because, again, she travels a lot in on in that sea right there and visits a lot of places looking for a settlement for her people. And Sotoris is one of the places, Yin in, in particular. So if you get Corliss Valarian TV show, if you get um, Nymeria, you're going to get a lot of these places that are explored in the encyclopedia that you have. It's going to be super lore-heavy stuff, Ooh. which I think if HBO just wants to do lore-heavy, do that. Don't give me characters that you're not going to do right. That's yeah. Does that make sense? Like, you're no, like, yeah. And I love that you are so passionate about a thing. And then that's what I want. I want to highlight people's not only art, like Char, I, and Harris loves for for everything nerdy. Right, right. I love getting a different perspective, and I feel like your perspective on a lot of things is just interesting. The way I, at least the way I feel is like I I feel like I offer reasonable pushback against things yeah but you're also you're open-minded is what i should i think is what i'm trying to say you're open-minded to differing opinions i'll consider it definitely if you yeah. lay it out yeah like if, yeah sell it, it to me yeah like <laughs> like we like when we had that conversation about the rise of skywalker they there right. there was steps taken to where it was like you you still hate it like that's that's completely fine and that's completely fine. But when somebody asked me, what do you think of, of JJ? I'm like, she's very opinionated. But she is also one of the most down-to-earth understanding people that I have ever met in my life. Facts. Like, and it's just like the, the, the way that you're able to, especially with Fire and Blood, take the nuances of characters when that whole fiasco was like, well, Damon's Eve, just pure evil. And right. it's like, yeah. yeah, he's not. Like, and I love the way that you're able to look at these characters and be like, so this is not what you think it is. And this is why and you, you do it fantastically, especially with the Song of Ice and Fire. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. As much as I, as much as as hard opinionated as I am and very like intense at times, like the point still that I want to get across is objectivity to things. Like I want, like the Rise of Skywalker thing, like for me gets a little complicated because people that really love it, they type a lot of personal feelings into it. And for me, that's hard to push against. I cannot make you not feel good or bad. You know what I mean? Like, especially if a piece of media makes you feel good. So when I talk about the Rise of Skywalker and when I want to debate it, I want to debate it on the film itself, not feelings. Does that make sense? No, yeah, it does. Like, so if you say, oh my God, the Rise of Skywalker make, made me, you know, help with my depression or I was unhappy and I watched it made me happy. It's kind of hard, hard to shit on it. <laughs> I cannot shit on it at that point. I'm like, that is valid feeling to have. Oh, yeah. I'm so happy for you. 
So, but that, at that point, debate ends. It really, it's over. If we're going to be talking about the structure of how fast it moves, the frames, or just like jumping from point to point, it's too loud, in my opinion. Like the dialogue isn't as natural as I wish it would be. Like it's so exposition heavy. Like those are the things that I look at. And then we can dig into the lore and get the questions answered, like Wayfinder versus the Holocron. Why is C-3PO unable to read the ancient Sith language? Like those are the things that we can discuss in good faith. But as far as like the quality of the film, like I want to approach it objectively. Same with House of the Dragon. Like I have my feelings, but I wanted to look at the structure of the show. Like the first season was moving way too fucking fast. You you don't have time to sit down with the characters because all, all being that this is prequels, they're all going to die. So it's the writer's job to make you feel connected. So when they do die, you feel something. So that's how I feel about it. Like spending more time on characters and dialogue and building of that. Ahsoka has the same problem for me right now. And I'm getting a lot of pushback from our friends based on that because it's so mysticism and uh, lore heavy, which I love. It is very lore heavy. It's lore heavy, but can it be character and lore heavy? I, I think it's like you have to find easy medium, right? So like, mm -hmm. for example, mm -hmm. when we were watching Rings of power right yes it was the episode where the balrog in the, the tree with the cimero right yes everybody yes. hated that and, and very much people were like well this doesn't make sense this is just a cop-out and that was only when that episode came out and then it was kind of mm -hmm. described of hey like it does make sense that the cimerals would heal like the elvish realm because the cimerals are made by feanor from the, the <laughs> holy the holy realm of Valinor. it's like seeing those things and kind of like taking our lore hat off i guess it, i guess should say sometimes thank you for taking, saying that sometimes taking it off like char i don't know if you have a problem with this especially with star wars but i like sometimes i just want to take it take my lore hat off and i just want to enjoy what i'm seeing on screen yeah me too the lore is great mysticism is great like i love like literally when things are described this is the source of this power this planet does this this creature does you know that stuff is great you need to get to the cimmerillion then that's all that is i'm working my way through the, the books here i'm on a fellowship right now like maybe halfway through it um once i get through that it's they're quick reads i will get to cimmerillion like are they i i feel like fellowship like really drags though it's dragging because i'm gonna say something controversial that's gonna get me banned off of youtube and tiktok and twitter and now of our friends group how what what? Oh yeah, pod please, one. please, please tell me it's Tom Bombadil that you don't that you hate Tom Bombadil because I'm with you on that. Hold on, oh, I, I don't like the Hobbits. Wait, Char, have you read anything of the books? I read the Hobbit. That's okay. This is right. a great book. Okay, it is. It I is still like book. that book. But so you've seen all the movies, right, Char? Mm. Yes. Mm. Okay, so literally from, and this is the problem that I have with it's Fellowship. It's funny because I rewatched Fellowship last night. I, I fell asleep nice. watching the extended edition. I, I watched that film and then I read the book for the first time when I was, I think I think I was 18. I, I didn't, I had watched the movies. I had never really touched the books. And I just remember thinking, why the hell are we four chapters in and we're still in the Shire? Still. We and, are never leaving this fucking place. And it's and it's and it's because Tolkien is so meticulous and so like very much like he describes every blade of grass. And it's that's Martin. Like, that's the same thing. Same thing. Ah, he was inspired by and, like, him. I, and, and when I tell people that I that Fellowship is the least of my favorite in the trilogy, mm -hmm. it, it's almost like I feel like they're like, you killed my puppy. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I like it just takes it from my brain. I feel like it takes too long it's, to get it, to yeah, the parts. For them that leaving I, the like, Shire. Like, and, and I mean, Council of Alrond, that chapter's like 30, 40 pages mm -hmm. itself. And there's a lot that happens in that council. Dude, I'm on 10 chapters into Fellowship and they still haven't 
Kin left Shire. Yeah, like, because they have to do all the along with it. They have to do all the exposition and stuff like that. But. And I get it. And I get it's exposition heavy. And my favorite part in these chapters was Gandalf talking to yeah. Frodo, like describing the in-world building, like really dumping exposition on you about Sauron. Which to me, in that context, that's how it works. You know, mm-hmm. like Frodo is trying to figure out what he was bestowed in his possession. So Gandalf is like, yeah. "This is what's going to happen." To me, that makes perfect sense. And then you get Tom Bombadil. It's a weird one. I don't get it. But I just don't. I'm not. I'm like, bro. And the fact that they can give him yeah. the ring and it just does affect him. Because he's God. It's it's, it's, <laughs> it's smokes it's, a lot. Yeah, it smokes a lot something. of weed. Smokes a lot of weed. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Lawn bottom leaf. Yes. Yes. That is exactly <laughs> Char. Char, exactly I think right. I think you should listen. I think you would do really well with the audiobooks, especially Andy Circus. Andy Circus has done narration all three of the uh, Lord of the Rings books and The Hobbit, and he just recently did The Silmarillion. I wish I had known that. So, oh, he did Silmarillion oh, too? Yes. Fucking A. Okay, yes. great. So, I, I've, so I, that's the only way, and I've read The Silmarillion like five times, and I've only... Damn. I've, and, and there's something new with these books is that like you miss something. There's so mm. much there. You catch on Obviously. to things, and it's... it's And to think that, that J.R.R. Tolkien wrote The Lord of the Rings but had all of this lore in the back of his head it's crazy. And all this material is coming from letters. And then Christopher Tolkien was like, okay, let's talk about the Cimmerillion. Let's let's just do all that. Just boom. All in the one is absolutely insane. I want to say with Star Wars specifically, I think what, not even the fandom, I think the franchise is missing is the f- fresh blood. Yeah. Fresh era. Void of Skywalkers. Void of everything that we, Obi-Wan, Ahsoka. Like, that's all great. Don't get me wrong. But it's same conversations over and over I- again. How many more times can I t- listen to Anakin's <laughs> character being dissected? Is he one person? Is he a Darth? I, we've talked about this so many times. So, like, the interest is not going to be that. I think the Ray movie could inje- inject new energy into the fandom, in my opinion. Acolyte. Acolyte being another one. Like, that's yeah. going to be huge. That will be my whole personality when it comes out, especially because it's so void of of everything that we of the prequel and the clone wars era which i think it, this fan we need to step away from it for like a minute to inject new energy no i agree i i we also a, have a skeleton crew too a skeleton crew which apparently is coming out next december i don't I thought it was in january it's well i i don't like, trust that source neither too much. Do, neither do i it's it okay because it's it it wrapped it wrapped in october it's, it's filmed been in, it's, it's done it's been, it's been in post-production for three or four months now right that's what i'm saying like what are they refilming why 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 push it back a whole year that makes zero sense to me i feel like that should be the next show to come out because if you're going to stay with this era for a little bit and then completely drop off with either bad batch or with light i feel like you need to kind of keep that momentum of ahsoka and and mando and And, but give it a Correct, but give it a reasonable break. Like, don't do maybe every month, maybe every six months, you do something cool. Like, but if they don't, they're gonna do next Star Wars show in December of next year. But capitalize on the spirit, capitalize on the on the the excitement. Like, I I was very disappointed. I hope that source is not right. I really do. But at this point, the way Disney is sort of trying to lessen the amount of stuff that they're pushing out to give us time to breathe, whatever you want to call it, I can see them doing that too. I don't know. Char, what's your opinion? Obviously, Bob Iger came out and said quality over quantity. And that's not really what they started off with with Disney+. Plus. Do you feel yes. like there is going to be a lull? Potentially. 
I mean, because I mean, according to some people, I mean, they ha- they haven't been quality over quantity. But I mean, it's all a subjective opinion. But I think ever since Solo, they've always been a little bit like self-aware of yeah. the volume of content. Because the fact that they released five movies in a span of five years, mm-hmm. 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19. Oh, yeah, you're right. It just Damn. It just kind of diluted it a little bit. If it has, if it's quality over quantity, they need to make sure that it is the best thing that they can put out. If they're going to have us wait this long, if correct, if you're putting in your time, it means that there is an actual effort being made instead of just pushing content out. So mm-hmm. expectation is going to be through the fucking roof. But which brings us back to Ahsoka, because Ahsoka, like how you were saying earlier, is heavily lore based rather than character based. So when right. we see the Mortis gods and we see Balin's quest and we see Morai, uh, the Night Sister or the uh, the great mothers and the night sister lore a lot of it's cool it is but like where's the resonation like how do you resonate with these characters in a way like what do you do differently from the, the like rebels again remains literally the best star wars project in my opinion because mm-hmm. it feels so complete and you see the change of these characters from literally the moment you meet them until the the bitter end like there's evolution there's development there's you get the sense of who they are at the beginning versus the end while still doing lore heavy stuff like it is possible like we have a blueprint right there of how to do it so mm-hmm. for ahsoka to be rebel season five and literally not do anything of importance to the characters like ahsoka and sabine being apprentice and a master why was that off screen mm-hmm. i think there's a i think there's a lot of stuff that got left on the cutting room floor but yeah they maybe they were like thinking hey yeah, yeah they're leaving yeah. with each other at the very end of season four so you can presume and, that they were you know doing something doing stuff show together. me don't tell me again and that makes sense i i get the frustration but then it also if you look at it from a marketing standpoint right you you give us that right that right. opens the door yeah. to oh a book uh, uh maybe a mini animated series even a comic book yeah, like a comic book like, like yeah it, yeah it gives you it gives you those opportunities and i and, and i'm with you jj i would rather see that on screen than see it i i want to see it. as much as people hate to admit it everything on screen just has a more of a impact more eyes are on that than it is thank you with with the books and the comics not saying that one is more important than the other that's not the point 100%. 100%. And my take is is that Acolyte is going to enhance the books. Mm-hmm. People are going yeah. to see these things and be like, yeah. whoa, these are not the same A- as the prequels. Acolyte is a huge ad for High Republic era book. And it's a great opportunity to push people into that because as it stands, High Republic is a niche fandom. It really is. Yeah. And it the is. only thing that's out there for content in terms of like TV media is Young Jedi Adventures. It's the only thing that's out there. Which is great. Nub supremacy. Yeah, but, I, but you know how people, some people are with animation. Nub supremacy. Nub supremacy that's my nubs, son nubs, nubs. i will literally go to battle for that little guy but anyway um... but no, i see what you're saying well like books one of the reasons i think that at least my account on tiktok and a couple other people that make lore accounts bridging books and the tv we have the tv show to bridge that gap versus star wars books can feel so separate from the movies because they serve as additional homework perfect example is the rise of skywalker and shadow of the sith and the novelization like novelization tries to fill in the gaps and you have shadow of the sith which i have that book somewhere right here actually i enjoyed this book because i love lando and i love luke <laughs> but it's trying so hard to rectify the mistakes in The Rise of Skywalker. And it feels to me still disconnected that you're watching The Rise of Skywalker, you have to read this book to make any sense of it. And it's a good book. I enjoyed it. I read it real quick. Yeah. Um, with, with Game of Thrones versus A Song of Ice and Fire, you already have Game of Thrones and you're just filling in the gaps. 
with the books. You know what I mean? Like an easier connection to make. Yeah. And I feel like what really started the whole homework thing is Marvel. Oh yeah, without a doubt. MCU, I think they threw like a, a carrot out there with the first Avengers movie to see how people would react. It's like one of the first fun looking superhero movies that you've gotten post Dark Knight. So it was very successful. And from then on, second movie, third movie, but until it became a connective universe. Yes. So, which is fine for MCU. Like I don't mind go doing a little bit of homework for MCU. Right now I'm enjoying it because I don't have to do homework. I don't need to watch a bunch of other movies to watch Shang-Chi, to watch it Eternals, to watch She-Hulk. Like, all of it is so separate in a fun way for me. It's so different from the original Phase 1 or 2, whatever you want to call it. Like, you can enjoy these individual stories that they're plucking in from comic books and putting it out on screen. Mm -hmm. Marvels, for example, and people are like, do I need to watch Miss Marvel? It helps! Don't get me wrong. It, it makes Kamala look uh, better, like, in, in Marvels, knowing her background. Do you have to? No. That's why I love that movie so much. And Star Wars right now, in the Clone Wars and prequels, it's falling into that trap. Season 3 of Mando is a perfect example like first season is a standout because brand new character Grogu you can literally jump into it and watch it without any homework you will be able to understand Mandalorian season yeah. one without anything yeah. you know of Star Wars you know what I mean like a casual fan knows the force knows Darth Vader knows good versus evil and that's all you need to know and then yeah. Mando, Mando 2 and 3 get a little more convoluted which is fine but Mando 3 in particular is so plot heavy so yeah. lore heavy you lose the you have to do a whole bunch of homework, just like Ahsoka. It is dependent on homework. Yeah. Which I wish it wasn't. I'll be honest with you. Star Wars was always a standout to me because each project felt like an experience. experience. Uh, that makes sense. And that's that's fair. That is absolutely fair to say. Like Force Awakens, you can watch that and leave it alone. It's done story. It yeah. feels... It's done. Yeah. No, the last no, shot, same thing. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely, you're definitely, uh, you're definitely right on that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this is a good stopping point. All really looking forward to doing very much reactions and and stuff like that for House of the Dragon. JJ, as always, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate you. Thank you. For uh, having me. Where can the good people follow you on the social medias? Under Lady Dragon JG on TikTok and Twitter, my most used social medias. <laughs> there you go. Char, where can the good people follow you? Good people, you can find me on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at Char Char G, as spelled right here. And you can find me here at the Pop Ones podcast every Thursday night. And you can follow Harith at Harith Productions on all social medias. Uh, Harith underscore edits on Twitter, I think it is. Um, and you can find me at Jedi Master Eggs or on the pod ones on all social medias. But that's going to be it for this episode. Thank you so much for watching. Like, comment, subscribe, hit that bell for notifications so you never miss any of our content. But until next time, Dracarys. Dracarys.